everybody. You are live in the Hacker Valley studio with your hosts, Ron and Chris. Welcome back to the show. Glad to be back again. Super Bowl Sunday. Super Bowl Sunday. A few hours away. You know, when I think about Super Bowl, I think about performance. Right. You have two teams that are at the top of the league getting ready to see who's number one. Right. It's a really exciting time to have the 49ers in the Super Bowl just because we're local. And yeah. now, you know, hearing the rush and the excitement is, is, is amazing. Yeah, everybody's in their swag already. I, I feel like they've been in their swag all week. So yeah. <laughs> everybody's super excited. And when you think about performance, you definitely think about Silicon Valley and you think about how do you get the most performance out of yourself? Right. What, what, what comes to mind for you? So one thing that comes to mind for me is is confidence. And one thing that can limit confidence is, you know, we talk about it all the time, imposter syndrome. Right. It it can make you feel like you're not as good as everybody else. It can make you feel like you're not as good as you. And so getting past imposter syndrome, building that confidence, being confident in your abilities is how you get to healthy. And then you can kind of take it from there. Absolutely. And we, we just had MK on the, the show. That that episode is going to be coming out pretty soon. One of the things that I really liked what he said was let your ego fly. Yep. You have to gain some level of confidence. And I think it's just by allowing yourself to feel like, you know, you're progressing to acknowledge the fact that, you know, maybe you might be an imposter today, but you are open to being an expert later and sharing that wisdom and that knowledge. Exactly. One thing I think that people get concerned about is becoming overconfident, being overconfident, being cocky. And I think there's a healthy way to kind of like dip into that. You can dip into your confidence without being like cocky. I feel like being cocky is is confidence without the data. Mm-hmm. But if you have the data, if you have the experience and you have accolades that you've done in the past, that can actually help like solidify it within yourself that I deserve to be here and I'm performing at the level that I need to be performing at. So what's an example of a time where you were kind of feeling like an imposter but gained that confidence to start sharing and like I like MK said let your ego fly yeah you know I felt it you know throughout my entire life in in different parts like you know you know with the Super Bowl in mind when I was an athlete there were times where I was the captain of the wrestling team but I I didn't feel like I was you know the best wrestler or the best leader for the team but when I would look around and I'd see, you know, my, my buddies, my, my fellow wrestlers, and, and they were looking at me for guidance and motivation, then that that's kind of let me know that, like, yeah, you deserve to be there. Because if right. you can get them fired up and, and ready to wrestle and do their best, then that, that means you're doing something good. And all the way through my career, because when you have to make those transitions from – you know, regular Intel person to digital networks, Intel person to commercial cybersecurity, making those transitions, I always had a hint of imposter syndrome. Right. And so I had to, you know, lean on the things that I knew I knew and like just kind of go into it with the mindset of a learning mentality, knowing that I don't know everything and being okay showing that, being vulnerable and saying, hey, I don't know everything. I'm learning, but this is what I do know. And so it's happened, you know, throughout my entire career. What about you? I think uh, a great example of me feeling not necessarily like an imposter, but having a bit of the imposter syndrome is starting the podcast. Really? I was going to ask you that. <laughs> starting the podcast, you know, we had different setups, especially when we first got started. It was right. 
one camera was pointing at you, one yeah, was pointed yeah. at me. And <laughs> right. We were getting asked if we were in the same room. And it's yep. like, just by us posting the content and being vulnerable and knowing that we're not an expert yet, at that time at least, was it gave us the opportunity to get feedback from the community. We had a few subscribers to the podcast let us right. know, like, hey, this is what we like to see. This is what we think you can do better. So yep. we took that advice. We took, we made some adjustments and we got better. Right. Optimize. Do, do you think there are ways, because I think a lot of it is, is mentality, you know, getting past imposter syndrome, showing that confidence, a lot of it is mentality, but do you, are there any ideas for people that they can actually use today to, to sort of like step out of that, take baby steps out of that mentality and into being who they are? like actual practical steps? I think I think there's a lot of, quite a few practical steps. I think one, just identifying an opportunity or identifying a place where you can make those baby steps. Yep. Uh, so like in the sense of cybersecurity, one baby step that I found to start talking about cloud security and more of a confident mindset mm -hmm. was the security architecture tips. Okay. It was like quick posts, 100 characters, maybe up to 250, and it was just putting something out there. Right. And one of the things that I really subscribe to is if you teach it, you get to learn it twice. Yes. So that was my philosophy. I think that's something that anyone can take away is how can you teach someone this piece of content or information that you're trying to digest yourself? And it's another learning opportunity. It's funny you say that because I, I always try to get to teaching as fast as possible, right. even if it's a new skill set. But then you, you almost get into this like, double imposter syndrome because now you're just <laughs> learning and you're already teaching other people like what, what is this guy he just started learning he's teaching right. people but i do think it, it's it absolutely solidifies like the basics the foundation of whatever you're trying to learn exactly and then you just kind of take it from there and i think that segues perfectly into the the second part of you know being in your performance and it's deliberate practice right so you know like you said you know doing the security architecture tips and and sort of like getting out there getting your feet wet the or uh, deliberate practice is what not only increases your skill level but it also shows you that oh okay i can do something mm -hmm. and so like so for the super bowl they have practice they practice you know week long they're in the gym doing that stuff but you also can look at games throughout the entire season as practice. Exactly. Because you have you have those those battle wounds, you, those battle scars, those that experience of like, okay, you know, when we feel like this, this is what we need to do to get the win. Yeah. And you know what what just came to mind is the separation between webinars, meetups, and conferences. Mm -hmm. It's almost like going from practice uh, scrimmage to a game. But right. it's all still a rehearse. It's all still a rehearsal. Yeah. Like you're still always practicing and fine tuning, even if it is the big game. Right. And then sometimes if it's the big game, it's just the big game right now. Yeah. Like, so take for instance, let's say, you know, we have, we're, we speak at Sands, right? We're speaking at Sands, and that's our big game at that moment. But little do we know, we're actually practicing for the TED stage. Yeah. You know, all of that practice over time, like the practice by yourself, the practice with your friends and family, the practice in front of strangers, and then the big game. So I, I think that people almost have like a, a, sometimes have a limited scope of what they think practice is. And if you open it up and just think that everything is practice, I think that's a good mentality to have. What, what does your practice look like? What is uh, deliberate practice for you today? 
So deliberate practice for me today is always sort of like the same construct. I like to, and you can get this from like Tim Ferriss and like four hour work week and stuff like that is, is actually like breaking down the components of what you're trying to learn into digestible nuggets. Because yes. if you try to eat the whole elephant at the same time, then that's when you run into problems. You get overwhelmed. You don't want to do it anymore. You get discouraged and you just don't do it. But if you break it down into digestible sets and digestible skills, then you can kind of like piece by piece. And so like for speaking, for instance, I break it down into like body language, stage position, verbal like constructs, mm -hmm. like your pitch, your volume, what you say, all that stuff. And then like the actual like content of the, the presentation, your slides, like all of these are like little components that you can improve upon over time. Right. And just the more you do it, the better you get. The more you do it, the better you get. I think there was a, a study done where they had sculptors making things and they had one group make a perfect sculpt sculpture, right? Like, hey, your goal is to make the most perfect sculpture that you can. Mm -hmm. And then another group, they said, we want you to make as many sculptures as possible. Just like, you know, bang them out. And what they found was the group that actually did the most sculptures, like the ones that were just kind of like going over it over and over again, actually were ob ob like subjectively better than the ones when they were like focused on one perfect sculpture. Right. Because it's those iterations over time that make something better, in my opinion. I think that's definitely one of the reasons why agile methodology and, you know, these certain project management techniques are so popular because they break down the project into smaller stories and then yep. and then into tasks. So you have right. like these different things that you want to implement into a product or, or a project, but it's uh, very realistically chunked and scoped appropriately. Right. When I'm thinking of deliberate practice, I'm thinking of how long do I have to practice for yeah. Uh, a lot of the times when I'm trying to do deliberate practice, I'll allocate two hours. But realistically, I'm only getting into into an hour of that practice session. Maybe want to grab a coffee first and then I like to uh, set up a diffuser or something like that. But mm -hmm. one thing I've learned just through practicing deliberately on a certain area is my my expectations of time was was very off. Mm -hmm. I was allocating time that wasn't actually there like mm. if you think about going to the gym like i'm going to practice deliberately at the gym yep. you also have to account for how long is it going to take me to get to the gym yep set up maybe if you have to change your clothes that's all you know precious time that's taken away towards your practice yeah or distractions yeah. like if, if you sit down and let's say you're going to code for two hours but you have your email open and you have slack open you got all your chats <laughs> open you got other you know alarms going off that that takes away time as well and then there's an there's a focus cost that you lose whenever you switch right. to a different thing if you if you go do that email then you kind of have to get you start over from the beginning you have to get in that learning yeah. mode again it's like uh i think it's called context residue it's like you're yes. doing all this context switching and part of your mind is still thinking about that last task if you open up your email yep exactly so speaking of deliberate practice, I'm glad you brought that up because I had some books that I put on my 2020 for All the year right. 2020. These are Let's books that it. I've already read. Mm -hmm. But since we're talking about deliberate practice, the book that I you know really subscribe to that talks about deliberate practice is Deep Work by Cal Newport. Yep. I think you've read it also, right? Yes. What were your thoughts and did you take any nuggets to optimize your performance from that book? Yeah, I, I think it, it made me unafraid to actually go deep. 
because they're in cybersecurity, you feel like you have to know a little bit of everything. And so you're afraid that if you go too deep in a, in a, in a facet of cybersecurity that you're going to be missing other things. Right. And so like in threat intelligence, we kind of like, you know, look across the board. We look at vulnerability management. We look at enterprise risk. We look at, you know, application security like we're across the board. But there are times where you can actually like just take the time, kind of like put your blinders on and focus on one area of threat intelligence and, and go deep because then there's like an opportunity to actually th then optimize across the board because you've went deep for a little bit. Sure, you put everything else on the back burner, right. but then whenever you're going to something else and then like you have to come back to it, you have that skill set, you have that performance, you have, you have that ability to say, okay, this is the answer for that because I've already done the work. Right. Yeah, that's that's so true. What I one of my biggest takeaways from the book was learning how to say no and just focus on that body of work that you're trying to get better at. Yeah. A that's lot something of, I struggle with. <laughs> Slack and email like we're just talking about like are huge distractions for me. I love I love Slack. I love being able to get like interactions between myself and others so quickly, yep. but it comes with a huge cost when you're trying to learn something new or deliberately get better at something right so i think my my biggest takeaway is saying no but in a more politically correct way it's like i'm yep. not necessarily saying no i'm just focused on my task at hand and this is other things slack emails is a second priority until a certain point okay yeah and then if you don't mind i'll throw in a book as well yeah simon Sinek's start with why and here here's why i think it's good for performance because you know you can have your why as a person but you can also have your why in your work role. Like mm -hmm. you can figure out what your purpose is in your team, in your company, whatever. And once you know exactly what you're supposed to be doing, like what is your purpose, that's your touchstone. Like if you feel like you're sort of out there in space, like not tethered to anything, I think there's like a huge inefficiency. Right. But when you know exactly like, this is my identity within this organization, I know exactly what I need to do to get to you know the objective that I'm looking for. What what is your thought process and philosophy for becoming the best at what you do? Taking the performance and separating yourself from everyone else. You know, it, it's always the same for me. I, I feel like it's always uh, continuous improvement and iterative like progression. And so there's a a, a fam pretty famous quote. Uh, it's one of my favorite quotes uh, by Will Smith, or one one of my favorite stories, as he tells the story about. His father, you know, making him and his brother like build this wall and, you know, they're like, oh, man, we can't rebuild this wall. We're just kids. You know, what are we going to do? Mm -hmm. And so then they start laying each brick as best as they can and, and they end up doing it. And the thing that he learned was that, you know, when you're going to build a wall, if you're going to if you want to build a perfect wall, you don't go out to say, I'm going to build a perfect wall. You go out saying, I'm going to lay each brick as perfectly as I can until you actually have that wall. Wow. That's a that's a good story. You said Will Smith? <laughs> Will Smith. Awesome. <laughs> we got to get him on a podcast. Well, if you're out there, we need you. <laughs> He's got to be listening right now. He's got to be. <laughs> what, I, what I think of when it comes to being the best outside of the iterative kind of just improvement mm -hmm. is the collaboration pieces. 100%. So we look at like athletes like today, we're looking at the, the Super Bowl, but also – just people that are really the best at the craft, when you dissect the story, it, it, they, they likely have a mentor. Mm -hmm. They likely have a strong network that's able to promote their body of work or yep. 
get them more exposure to the people that would consider them to be the best. Right. But from cybersecurity perspective, when I look at some of the best hackers and the people that I really look up to, they've written books and these books aren't all these books often aren't solo author. It's, mm-hmm. you know, two to three authors along with citations from right. other industry experts. Yeah, you're not on an island. Yeah. So that's and one of the great things about cybersecurity, it's not a zero sum game. Uh, right. It's positive sum. So the more that we collaborate, the better that the industry does and the better that the the practitioner does. Right. So it's like, you know, someone does research and they spend all year doing research and then they finally get it out into the community. Then everybody can benefit from it. Right. So everybody's game elevates. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's one of the beautiful things. And, and that's why I like when just books in general, because you take somebody who takes their life work. And they put it in a book that you can digest in a day or two, and then you can apply that to your to your life. And right. so then you have everybody that buys this book, and they start applying these principles. All of a sudden, everybody's better because of the stuff that you put out there. That is so true, one hundred percent. Any any closing remarks? Any other tidbits about performance optimization? Yeah. So I guess I would just close with this. You know, start with confidence. Confidence that you are going to continue whatever path you're going to go down. Sure, there might be obstacles. Sometimes you have to go through the obstacles. Sometimes you have to pivot to something else. But as long as you keep going towards your goal or your objective, you're going to continue to get better. And then that breakthrough is going to happen. And, you know, those that iterative improvement is going to then feed the confidence. Yes. So both of those things together, you can't lose. Right. My closing nugget would be the pursuit of knowledge. It always leads to something. Yeah. So be open to whatever that is. It could be to be becoming the best, but it's going to lead to something and it's most likely going to be a positive impact on your life. Perfect. Yes. Everybody enjoy the Super Bowl and uh, we'll see you guys next week. 